You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. This is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. We are excited today because years ago, when Father Paul was doing some foundational work on Ezekiel, he started talking about the word mashal and the origin of parables and the formation of the scriptural canon. And this term, this Hebrew term, very quickly crept into all of our conversations about Scripture, and it was transformative in helping us to understand what Scripture is doing and how Scripture as literature functions. So we are hoping today, Father Paul, to hear you talk about this term and help enlighten us about the way it's used in Scripture and about how you understand it in your scholarship. Let me begin by saying that this may require more than one podcast. The reason is that on the level of literature— not theology, because theology is man-made stuff made up later by Greeks who became Christians. It is the most central term in the entire scripture. Actually, as I shall show you, and you already mentioned, the entire scripture is a mashal. It is an extremely versatile word in Semitic languages. The mashal is translated in Greek with two words that begin with para, parimia, and paravoli, which is very accurate because both mean to throw something or to march in a parallel line. And thus the mashal is basically a likeness. You know, all these words that Western scholars try to differentiate between an adage and a saying and an example and a proverb and a fable and a parable and a simile and a story is just for their own thing to impress their readers. In Hebrew, we have just one word, and its meaning is precisely there in the way it is used. It is the title of the book of the Proverbs, and it's an example that has full authority. For instance, when you give an example about the fable of the hare and the tortoise, you don't need at the end to tell your hearer, behave as a tortoise. The message is clear. You don't need these additions. That's why parables, and I would like to jump to the New Testament, immediately judge the person. I speak in parable in order to judge you, because the message is clear. And thus, it has an incontrovertible authority. The one who speaks in mashal has full power. Ezekiel is referred to as mmashel mshalim, the one who strikes Meshalim, who speaks in Meshalim. And here, let me jump to Arabic, as I mentioned at the beginning. In Arabic, Mumathil means actor. What's an actor? It's a person that plays a role in a story. You cannot just act without a story. You have to act something, and the one who sees you acting and speaking understands your position in the story. So that's a very important combination. Mashel Meshalim. When God tells him, I'm going to take away all the Meshalim of the people in Israel, assuming that everybody speaks in Meshalim as teachers, the only Meshalim are yours, and you will be acting through Meshalim. 
Now, this is important because Ezekiel uses that word at the beginning of chapter 17, which is paralleled in Psalm 78, where he tells us the story of Israel. Psalm 78 is a mashal, I shall open my mouth in mashalim and speak and teach you. So already to jump to a point to which I shall come back later, the so-called history, there is no history, the story, the biblical story that is concocted by the authors as the story of Israel and Judah is a mashal, meaning it's a story to teach the hearers, meaning that it's a story that is edited by them. No one argues whether Babel and Assyria existed or didn't exist. But the biblical story is unique. And here I would like to give the example of Jeremiah 1 in the Sunday school. It's taught incorrectly. It's a blasphemy that it is speaking about the siege of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. Reread the chapter. It's not speaking about the siege of Jerusalem of the Babylonians. It is speaking about the siege of Jeremiah by the Jerusalemites during that chronological period, which is the siege of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. The two things are not equal. <laughs> So Jeremiah is not interested in the Babylonians. Actually, he tells his people to give in to the Babylonians. They are going to take you. Don't worry about that. You have to worry about something else. So it's really impressive to remember that uh, it's an instruction and the story of Israel is presented as a mashal to the extent that people shy from saying there are no fables in the Bible. Well, there is a fable where the stand-ins for people are trees, and trees speak. So we should take very seriously this mashal. In Arabic, for instance, umthulat from mathal is an example or a lesson. It's an example, a likeness, where you have to look at the persons as functional stand-ins and to instruct you. And once more, the instruction is so clear that you don't need any comments. And thus, the length of the instruction is immaterial. Look at the parables of Jesus. You have short parables and you have very long parables. But this is preceded in the Proverbs of Solomon. For instance, you have Proverbs or so-called Proverbs, Mashalim, that are just one sentence and then you have the famous chapter 31, where you have 22 verses speaking about the good wife. So the length of the story is immaterial. It's the point of the story. And then we all know how in the biblical story, on purpose you have repetition so that at the end you don't ask the question, did really Israel sin? I'm not sure yet. Well, this means you have been dozing off during the reading of the Bible. You can't miss that. Another note, which again shows us the importance of that verb, is that one instructs with power and authority through a mashal. The mashal is not an opinion. When the teacher teaches through a mashal is not equal to what the student is talking about. And that is reflected in the fact that the verb mashal means also in scripture to rule. Kings are referred to with the verb mashalbe, to rule over. But precisely this connection is important because the ruling is the ruling through instruction. 
And since ultimately God is a shepherd and his rulers were supposed to be shepherds, God and the kings through a staff, which in Hebrew is the Shebet, which is the staff of the shepherd and the name of the tribes, the 12 tribes. It is so impressive. And that staff could be a staff of iron. Remember way back when the teacher would use rulers to hit you on the rear end. And I like that word ruler because in English, this is what it means. Remember in the past, what we call today rulers used to be called rules. I discovered that. I didn't know that when I visited an old shop in New Hampshire where someone was selling old typewriters and so on. And you have that. He will rule you with the rod of his mouth in Isaiah 11.4. Notice this connection between the rod of the mouth. And this we find precisely in the shepherd culture where the shepherd has a staff and he has a voice. That's the two bridges of communication between the shepherd and the sheep. And the sheep has no voice except the stupid ba. That's why we call them dumb. And they have no staff. So the full authority is on the part of the leader. And thus, to go back to Ezekiel, the father of scripture, when God intervenes to tell him, I'm going to shut the mouths of the other so-called prophets and whatever meshalim, they say, will be non-functional. It is only your meshalim that are functional. Now jump to Jeremiah and Hananiah. Hananiah was giving his opinion. But what the book of Jeremiah is saying, that his opinion is invalid and thus it cannot function as a mashal. It is only the teaching of Jeremiah. That is why it's very important for me to end on this note that we don't have opinions about what the Bible is saying. What the Bible is saying is very clear. But you have to have the original Semitic ear in order to understand what the message is. It's not 800 pages of commentaries. One more time. The parable is so clear that it doesn't need comments. Imagine if Jesus would have had to wait for the commentaries of the theologian to explain what he says. I mean, that's ridiculous. Already his word is a judgment. You hear it very clearly, especially in the Gospel of John. The judgment is already here. So the parable, one more time, mashal is the same verb that is used also. It's not the only verb, but also to speak about the action of a king ruling over his people. So the mashal is already a double-edged sword, a staff. It can hit you because the intention is to correct you, to go back, to walk the way. So if the word is not enough, then the shepherd would use his rod. But the impressive thing in a mashal, that the story is so biting that you feel it as though it is a rod. It is a staff, and that's why we don't like it. And that's why we like to say, well, for me, this is what the text is saying. I really would like to think that the message is so and so. And then we open discussions and we talk. I mean, that's a blasphemy, ultimately. Can you imagine have someone read a passage of scripture and then have the people gather together talking for one and a half hours. 
it's a slap in the face of God that had just opened his mouth in a mashal. You speak for one and a half hours on a mashal that took 30 seconds. I mean, that's more than ridicule. It's a blasphemy. It's a slap in the face of God. And sometimes, as I say, you know, I teach in gists that God, not to allow you to take a breather, he comes up with a very lengthy Psalm 78 that goes up to 72 verses. So by the end, you're so tired to say, that's enough, let's postpone the discussion. But that is done on purpose by God to tell you enough. And if you didn't get the message, I'm going to lengthen it. And we all know how Psalm 78 speaks about the repetitive acts of disobedience of the people. So all in all, it's an essential word, and the only way to make the people understand it, it's not through a scholarly article what a mashal is. Try it once. You both deal with people in the parish. Just try it. Have them sit down and make a list of all the passages where you have that verb or noun. And there are many, so it may take two or three sessions. Why not? and have the people hear how this noun or verb are used in context. And slowly on, they will get the real meaning. Again, those who know Arabic are ahead of the game, even ahead of those who know Hebrew. It's just because the verb is used left and right. One more time, mumathil mumashel is the word we use to speak of an actor. You play a role in a story. And this brings us back, you see how you make the turn, to the fact that the biblical stories are just stories. To spend the time to historicize or not historicize is, again, a slap in the face of God who asked us to take care of the poor. And by now we have paid, I don't think billions, but at least millions in so-called archaeology of the Holy Land. So, Father Paul... You know, you talk about the fact that the Bible requires no interpretation. And for Richard and I, we understand what you're talking about because we are trying to deal, as your students, with our students, we're trying to deal with the Bible as objective content. I mean, it's a set of data. And I think in science, when you understand that you're dealing with data, Everybody agrees that you're trying to get at what's there. You're not trying to get at what people think about what's there. But because of postmodernism and the direction that the humanities have gone, there's been a kind of decline in an emphasis on objective content. So one of the examples you use that has been very helpful for me personally that I wanted to ask you to share is your discussion of the human body. You have a background in medical science. You were a pre-med student before you went to study scripture in Romania. But could you talk about the way human biology helps illuminate what you're saying about the content of the Bible? You have this expression, it is there, something is there. I believe it's important because biology, it's like literature, it's a syntax, you know, syntax putting an order between words. That's why they taught you at school, you put usually the subject first, followed by the verb. In Hebrew and Arabic, you have to put the verb first, followed by the subject. I mean, there is an order, but order is a syntax, which means you have a correlation, not just one is more important.
important than the other and this is what we find in the body any biological body and i give classically the example of an organ whatever you call the organ is immaterial it is that organ that functions in this way that's why if your kidney is bad you need to have a machine that would function like this organ whether you call it kidney or not is immaterial and here i give usually the example in arabic like the liver we call it kabid and then those who know the kabod and so on meets that something very heavy why because the arabic speaking doctors that were the first famous doctors just realized it's the heaviest organ so they call it kabid whatever you want to call it does not matter and thus to write so many pages on the liver stressing the origin of the name it does not matter i just told you the origin of the name of the liver in arabic it does not matter what matters is the function and the function cannot be gathered unless you know the totality which is the entire story and that is known by now in medicine people have to know the doctor has to know the doctor has to take first general medicine before you get specialized in one organ for a very simple reason because it is so the classic example is blood pressure it took time for the people to understand that the kidney had something to do with that the gland above the kidney once you realize then that you have to take it into consideration so the body does not change is the same we're not talking about superman now but the understanding of the body took an effort on our part and i am suggesting that the bible and you know how much i stress the importance of the canon it is there already whether you counted by so many books two more or less is immaterial whatever you have it is there and it is up to us to make the effort to understand it and we cannot understand it except by rehearing it the way the parents know they keep repeating to you the same thing like an american mother is not going to change her statement between the morning and the evening <laughs> it's the same statement it is up to the child to comprehend try it and i'm suggesting you have to try it and you have to try it sometimes with a rod do the staff force the people if not too many people are ready to do that do as i did in my first parish i had two bible sessions one of them was attended by one person and she told me you know don't you think father paul should stop i said why we have this hour you decided to come we continue and she was the mother of five children that's very important so force it force it upon a few people and say look we're going to do that over a series of weeks we prepared all the passages and you can be choosy actually you know select passages and have them hear it again and again and when you get to the noun or the verb just say it in the original so that it would ring to the ear as such the doctors are human beings but notice when they speak together they speak a certain lingo they make it much shorter to they understand one another when they talk to you they expand it so the mashal between two cardiologists speaking over the phone can take just 20 seconds the consultation but when the phone is hung up the doctor may take 7 minutes to explain to you but what he's saying to you is exactly 
what he was talking about or she was talking about with the colleague. I think in this sense, you know, biology did not shape me, but helped me a lot in my dealing with scripture, meaning I had to submit to it, not to force it to submit to my preferences or updated according to the times we are living. Well, Father, thank you so much for helping us understand this very important, even central concept of the mashal, the parable. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Father. Thank you. We're going to pretend you didn't thank us. (laughs) Thank you again. (laughs) Take care, gentlemen. We'll see you. Have a great week. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.